that the ministry that we have through our music, it definitely prepares for the word to be taught, amen, to be preached, for the word to be preached. Uh, that's a vital part uh, of the service, without a doubt. I don't know about y'all, I get lost in it. I'll just tell you, you know what I mean? I, I get lost in it, and and I start, I, I allow the Holy Spirit, let's, let me speak for just a minute. I'll, I'll allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me through music. Is, am I the only person that does that? Amen. I mean, if you read the Bible, the Lord, he, he conveyed his message through a lot of different ways. Uh, but if you listen to the words to that song right there, I'm a pastor of a church, okay? And I, and I like to, I, like to I, I mean, I think it's safe to say that, that I, I'm a man of God, okay? I'll just tell you that. But I still hear voices in my head. Now, don't, don't anyone freak out on that. But, but there's this voice telling me that I'm not worthy to be behind this pulpit. Uh, there, there's a voice that tells me that the family I've got is temporary, that, that that's not really my family, that it's going to be taken away from me one day. Am I the only one that the enemy tries to kick me in my face and beat me down and tell me I'm not worthy? Is it okay to say that? But then I start to listen to the rest of the song. <laughs> Come on, somebody. And he says, my worth is only found in you. Where's your worth find out today, church? Where do we find our worth in? Because if we spend more time listening to those voices, that's where we'll find our worth in, and we'll start believing those voices. Amen? And let God minister to you. You know, I, I see some of you guys on Facebook, y'all post sunrises and sunsets and pictures of lakes, and man, it's beautiful. And, and God can minister through that. Just, just remember the voice that's speaking to you. If it's edifying and it's uplifting, that's the Holy Ghost. Okay? There's a difference in being convicted and condemned. Right? Conviction comes from God. Edification comes from God. Uplifting comes from God. If it's accusing you, as the song says, if that voice in your head is accusing you or telling you you're less than, that's straight from hell. He's the accuser of the brother. Right? So, so someone needs to hear this, maybe watching uh, on, on live stream or maybe in here right now. Uh, there's some voices that have been going on in your head that's been accusing you of some things. And it's been telling you that you're not worthy. And it's been telling you that you're never going to live up to what other people's expectations are. But I'm here to tell you today that your worth is found only in Jesus Christ. Amen. Not how, not how well you perform at something or someone else's opinion of you. But your identity is found in Christ and Christ alone. Say, I am. Everyone say it. I am. A child of God. I am a child of God. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter 3. Let's get into the word. Y'all ready? I'll give y'all a second to get there. Y'all have to forgive me. I was at a prayer meeting last night to 1230. Some of y'all get that later. Lord Jesus, please. <laughs> yeah, Jeremiah was there. Second Corinthians chapter 3. <laughs> yeah, amen, amen. Second Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, we're going to start at verse 12 and read through 18. Y'all with me? This is the reading of the word. Verse 12, therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds was blinded. If you got a pen, underline that. But their minds were blinded. 
For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ Jesus. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts. Nevertheless, one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all say that's us. With unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you again, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you stretch us from one glory to another one, Father God. Lord, I praise your name this morning that the veil has been torn from the top to the bottom, Father God. Uh, and we can just come right into your presence, Father God. And your presence is here with us now, Lord. Uh, I thank you for that, Father. I thank you for the praise reports and the prayer requests. I thank you for the uh, music ministry, Lord. And right now, Father, I want to thank you for this word that you've given us, Lord. I ask you to help me speak clearly tonight to this morning, Father God. Uh, uh, anoint my tongue, Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, that your word uh, goes out and does not return void, but lives will be changed. Uh, hearts will be opened. Uh, uh, Father God, the views can be skewed a little bit uh, on what you would have me to preach uh, this morning, Father God. So we give you the glory for it and we give you the honor. And we do it all in Jesus Christ's name. And the church says, Amen. so the background on this, uh, this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And uh, they've, they've begun to get a little stagnant in their walk. Uh, for those of y'all who don't know what stagnant is, that's just kind of setting still. Right? Amen? Has anyone in the church today ever been stagnant in their walk? Okay, we're going to talk about y'all today. Okay, cool. We ain't going to talk about me. Well, when I think of the word stagnant, I think of, the, of like water being stagnant. And usually, you know, outside in a mud puddle or old creek that's been dammed up, uh, that ain't been running for a while, you get that old stinky, stagnant water. And usually that's where things like disease lives. Uh, the only good thing that grows in stagnant water is larvae, blood-sucking parasites. Come on, somebody. I'm going somewhere with this. So to be, I'm not trying to be gross this morning, but to be stagnant is to be not moving. Now listen, for me personally, uh, 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 if, if I'm growing in Christ, then, then things are starting to birth around me and visions cast and, 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 and things are happening in my life that I know for a fact that I'm going from one glory to another glory with Jesus, right? But now watch this right here. Sometimes even... If, if the water's flowing backwards, it's starting to go down into a drain, almost spiraling out of control, right? Listen, we can find Jesus in that too. Who knows that God can work in the spiral as much as he can work in the flood, amen? Come on, somebody. This section knows it. But it's when we're stagnant. Come on, somebody. It's when we're stagnant, when we think we're okay, and we don't realize that there's parasites connecting to our spiritual walk, and it's starting to reproduce. And before we know it, we start to stink, and we look kind of murky. Amen? That's what's going on right here in Corneth. As a matter of fact, they get to look into Paul instead of Jesus more. See, today in the modern-day church, we get to look into the guy who's got the microphone more than we get to look into the guy who provides the microphone for the man. Amen? Just because I walk up here, don't put me up there. Come on, somebody. But that's what was happening at Corinth. They got to look into Paul to be in the answer to all their problems. I'm just giving you a background before I get into the preach here. But they're looking to the man to solve their problems. And he's saying, look, you need Jesus to take you from this glory to another glory. Amen. It's crazy how things that were happening 2,000 years ago are still happening today. I thank God I thank God for the Pauls that are behind the pulpit today that don't need to get the words of affirmation, that don't need the pats on the back. They just want to see you go from one glory to another one. 
Uh, anybody that you may be watching online or anyone that you're reading about, uh, an author, go and check them out. Are they looking for the pats on the back? Are they trying to take you from one glory to another one to avoid you from being stagnant with your walk with Jesus Christ? That's who you follow. Amen. Well, what Paul's telling them is that you're going to have to be transformed. Well, what, what got you to where you're at now is not what's going to keep you there, but you're going to have to go a little deeper. Amen? Y'all have heard me talk about uh, the last few weeks how, how safe it is here on the shoreline, and there's a big old ocean out there. Some of y'all have been to the ocean the last couple of weeks, and you kind of put your water, your, your toes in the water a little bit because it was safe, but you didn't really want to go deeper because you didn't know was, what was out there. It was unknown to you. Now, it it looked appealing, but it was safe on the shoreline, right? That's where a lot of us are in our Christian walk. And Paul's telling them, now listen, eventually the tide's going to go out. You're going to be buried up in dry sand. Jesus said, let me take you into the deep. Glory to glory. Deeper to deeper, for the deep cry out to the deep. So I showed Lana the other night how the father-son relationship works. I put Timothy, and don't no one judge me on this, first of all, okay? I, I put Timothy on top of a counter, and there's a, it's a, it's a drop-down, you know, four-foot drop-down is what it is. And I walked away from it. I said, Timothy, don't move. And he was hesitant because things weren't, wasn't normal. Right? He wasn't supposed to be on top of that countertop. So I said, watch this. I said, Timothy, Daddy said, come here. And that brother took about two steps and leaped because he knew Daddy was going to catch him. See what I'm saying? He was okay by hearing the Father's voice, and he obeyed that. Although it may look dangerous, Daddy said, come. I'm here to tell some people in the church today that Daddy has said, come. But you're going to have to be willing to come. He wants to take you to another glory, brother. He wants to take this church to another glory. I'm here to tell you that for a fact. Verse 12 right there in that, in that third chapter of 2 Corinthians I read, it says, Therefore since we, he's talking about us, therefore since we having such hope, that word hope, y'all have heard me say it a thousand times in here. It's not, I hope Tennessee wins last night. Or I hope Alabama's going to, it's not a finger-crossing, lottery-hitting, scratch-off kind of hope. We're not talking about that kind of hope right here. Amen? When Paul says, therefore, since we have such hope, that's a good thing. Uh, the definition for the word hope, I think we got it on the board. It's a noun. It's the confident expectation that God is faithful and that He will complete that which He has begun in you. Who in here by a show of hands has had God start a work in you? Then you've got hope that He's going to complete that work. Amen? And it's not like a hope like, Lord, please complete the work. Let me tell you something. It's a confident expectation that He the begun the work will finish the work that's in you. Amen? We just can't be stagnant, church. We just cannot get stagnant. It's what Paul's telling them here. Bless you, huh? Many Christians today have a misunderstanding of what salvation is. They think they've arrived at some point when they get saved. I got saved. Well, praise God. What are you going to do now? Well, I didn't thought about that. I got saved. I thought I arrived. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to hell. Well, bless God. Who are you pulling out of hell with you? Because the last time I checked, your salvation ain't really about you anyway. It's about him, ain't it? And what he tell you to do. Reach down into hell and pull some people out with you. Well, I didn't think about that. Hmm. We think we've arrived at some winning point. Like, the, me, and, me and Grace, uh, this, this last week, I had the pleasure of going and playing air hockey, video games, movies. Uh, all that daddy-daughter time that Lana, uh, Gracie and I had because she was on fall break. And she's pretty good at air hockey, I will tell you that. But we were playing these race car games, and there were checkpoints. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like you have a timer, and if you get to a checkpoint, you get more time. And that's how a lot of Christians view salvation. Like, I made it to the checkpoint. You know what I mean? I, I, I've arrived to the checkpoint. 
But the reality is, that's not the finish line. That's just the beginning line. Amen? Y'all turn over to Philippians chapter 1. Hallelujah. Is it hot in here? Praise God. Philippians 1 chapter, let's see, uh, Philippians chapter 1 verse 3. We're going to read 3 through 6. I'm going to go ahead and read it for the sake of time. It says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine making requests for you with all joy. Number 5 says, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident, there's that word confident again, having hope. That's what we could put right there. Y'all understand that? The word hope, it interchanges with that word confidence right there. Having hope or being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it till the end on to the day of Jesus Christ. We have hope in that, that he began something. And it don't say, watch this, until you get saved. It says he began a good work in you and will complete it till the day you get saved. I'll take it a little bit further. It don't say that he that began a good work in you will complete it till the day you die. Now that makes more sense, don't it? It says he that begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Once again, your life has nothing to do with you, but it all points back to Jesus. Amen? So you ask the question, preacher, how in the world can my work still be moving forward after I'm dead? Because it says to the day of Jesus Christ. You scratch your head on that and say, well, how in the world could the work that God began in me to continue to move forward after I'm dead but until the day of Jesus Christ, right? That's a fair question for you to ask me. It's a fair question for you to ask yourself. So in return, let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard of Mordecai Ham? One or two people? Mordecai Ham. Since we're asking questions, it's not a flavoring substitute for beans, I promise you. Y'all give me some of them beans and Mordecai Ham. So Mordecai Ham, I'm just going to get back to how your life can, can be effective for the kingdom of God even after your dad's where I'm getting with this, okay? To the day of Jesus Christ. So Mordecai Ham was an evangelist back in the early 1900s. Amen? Mordecai Ham was just radical enough to preach the gospel back when you had to go by buggy and horse to different tent revivals, different meetings that way, right? Well, Mordecai Ham, hearing from the Spirit of God, there's a lot more that goes into this. If, if y'all get a chance, do a Google search on it. But he was preaching a revival in 1939, I think it was, in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And there was a young teenager. They called him Willie. It's a true story. They called him Willie. He gave his life after three altar calls. Mordecai called, Mordecai Ham called the first altar call. The Lord said, no, another one. He called the second altar call. The Lord said, no, another one. At the third altar call, young Willie, a teenager, came and gave his life to the Lord. Praise God, right? Praise God for young Willie. Well, young Willie later on, to be, young Willie later on became to us known as Billy Graham. So Mordecai Ham led Billy Graham to Jesus. Most people believe that Billy Graham led over 215 million people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Mordecai Ham's life was over way before that started. All he knew was young Willie. But let me tell you something. The work that he begun in Mordecai Ham was not complete until the day of Jesus Christ. And there's still people getting saved. The question I have is this. Who in the church today wants to raise up the next Billy Graham? See, we thrive too much to want to be the next Billy Graham. How about we just raise the next Billy Graham up? But maybe the work that God gave us was to raise the next one up and not be the next one. Amen? Two hundred fifteen million people missed hell. 
And people want to say it was Billy Graham. I say it was Mordecai Ham. Amen. That's how after you die. It's not that we arrive at salvation. It's not that the work is complete till the day you die. It's till Jesus Christ comes. What we're doing today, we have no idea how it's going to affect the next generation and the next generation. How are we going to influence our communities? How are we going to influence our churches? How are we going to influence our family and our schools and our children? How are we going to do that? If we're stagnant. If we're not willing to be stretched a little bit. If we're not willing to let God take us from one glory to another one. We get consumed with our four and no more. Right? Man, this Easter thing we're going to do is going to be huge. As a matter of fact, I think it's safe to say that it's going to open up some of y'all's eyes and hearts. And I praise God for this church right here. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to broaden some things and realize that it's really not about our four and no more. Now, I'm not saying that y'all think like that, but it's so much bigger. The territory out there is so much big. Paul said it best when he said, not only is it time, but it's high time that we wake from our slumber. Woo, glory to God. So the fields are white with harvest. We got to have some laborers. See, there, there, there's no room for us to labor in stagnant water. Y'all with me? Are y'all with me? Hallelujah. I'm burning up. Okay, it's me then. Praise God. Thank you, brother. You see, the people of God in the big C church of Jesus Christ if we'll be consumed by the fire of God and be willing to be stretched deeper to deeper from glory to glory, if we'll make ourselves available to God for that, I'm here to tell you, tell you that we may be able to see the return of the Son of God ourselves. We talk about missionaries and we talk about building the church. You know, the gospel has to be spread to all four corners of the world. Is it us slowing the thing down? Could it be us, our lack of being willing to be stretched from one glory to another one? Uh, is Jesus up there right now saying, Lord, I'm ready to go. God, I'm ready to go. And he's saying, but I can't get the, I can't get the laborers to work. They're in stagnant water. They're in stagnant relationship with us. And I'm not saying this body of believers. I'm saying, but what we got, we could take to other bodies of believers and, and re, revamp them, re, give them regeneration. That, that what, if you want to see the Lord come, if you want to stop complaining about what's going on in Washington, D.C., you want to stop complaining about how things are, then Lord come, Lord. Are you praying that prayer? Because everything's better. When the trumpet blows, everything gets better. I promise. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians again, our beginning. The second word, we looked at hope. The next word I want you to look at is boldness. Verse 12, it says, therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness. Amen? The definition for boldness right there is the willingness to take risks and act with confidence and courage. But it's safe on the shoreline, man. My, fam my family's saved. I got a roof over my head. I'm really not a, a risk taker. I, I know that the Holy Ghost has been prompting me to invite my neighbor. But man, that makes me a little nervous. That's a little scary. My coworker, my dad, my mom, whoever it is, y'all got someone in your life that you know the Lord's been dealing with you on. It makes me a little scared when I think about it. I don't have the boldness, preacher. I don't have, I wish I had that boldness you have. You've got it. You've got it. When you said, Lord, be my Lord, you got it. When the Holy Ghost tells you to do something and, 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 and it can be scary, I get that. Because he tells me to do some weird stuff. Can I get an Amen. 
like pay for someone's groceries in line in front of you that cut in front of you to get in the line. That's happened to me twice so far this year. Like I'm in a hurry, I got to go, and someone cuts right in front of me. And it's the express lane, but they got 47 items. Y'all know that person too? I'm like, really? And the Lord says, well, why don't you just bless them and buy it for them? Then I'm like, really? <laughs> really? Why don't you just ask them if they're having a good day, carry their groceries out for you, for them. Buy their lunch. Love on them. See, that can be scary, especially when the other person's sour. You know that person's sour. You might say, hey, can I buy that for you? And they grab their purse and look at you like you're crazy. But what's even scarier than being prompted by the Holy Spirit, y'all listen to me, is being prompted by the Holy Spirit and not doing it. When the Holy Spirit gives you an unction to do something and you know for a fact that was the Holy Spirit, but you looked at your watch and said you don't have time, now you better get scared. Not that, not that the lightning bolt or the big hammer is going to come down on you, but because your prayers not, might, might not get up so far. What happens is you just became stagnant. You allowed yourself to be stagnant. You put yourself in a stagnant situation. And then a month later, two months later, you're still reading your Bible. You're still coming to church, but it feels like your relationship with Jesus has started to distance. Has anyone else ever been there? Amen? It's because he said go and you said no. Do you know out of everything that the Father created, and let me tell you something, he created it all. Out of everything he created, we're the only creation that he gave the right to tell him no. He can say to that mountain, be removed, and it has to go. He can speak to death, and it has to live. He can tell you to pray for your new youth pastors, and you can tell him no. He can tell you to buy your neighbor's groceries or whatever we just talked about. He loved us enough to give us free will and loved us even more to give us the right to abuse it. Now we're back talking about me now, y'all. Think about that, guys. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he loves us. It says, therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness. That is an action to use great boldness. How do we use great boldness? We get filled with the Holy Ghost and fire of God, and then people around us get nervous because they know we're bold. They know when you sneeze, they're going to not just say, God bless you, but they're going to say, can I lay hands on you? Amen? Go to 2 Timothy 1. We'll wrap this thing up just a little. Are y'all with me this morning? It's starting to feel a little better in here, ain't it? No? 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're talking about boldness, the willingness to take risks. The willingness to take risk and act with confidence and courage. That's beautiful, isn't it? We're going to read out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. It says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. If none of y'all are filled with the Holy Ghost, please come see me. Because I believe that we got enough of spirit-filled people in here that we can lay hands on you, and there's the Bible. Uh, you, you don't have to... Jump on one foot and close one eye and, and shout this and say that. It says to stir up the gift that was given to you through the laying on of my hands. It's called the fire of God. It's just that simple. It, it don't have to come through a, a prayer tunnel. It don't have to come through just let someone who's a man of God, who's filled with the fire of God or a woman of God lay hands on you uh, and, and you'll get filled with the fire. It's God's desire to give you good gifts. And I'm not talking about speaking in tongues 
Okay, is that part of it? Absolutely. I'm talking about being bold to take your family back, being bold to take your community back. I'm talking about being bold to go from one glory to another glory. He says to stir it up. Let me remind you to stir that thing up. And when depression starts sinking in, uh, when anxiety starts sinking in, let me remind you that you've got the spirit of the living God inside of you. Stir it up. Hallelujah. Absolutely, praise God. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given you. Put your name right there where it says us. Cross it out with your ink pen and put your name right there. God did not give you a spirit of fear. Fear comes straight from hell. There's no boldness where there's fear. You ever seen a lion? You ever watch them National Geographic shows? Man, that lion's bold, brother. There's hyenas everywhere. He's still going to get the gazelle. Right? You know, he's just going to get the gazelle, brother. He ain't worried about the hyenas. Fear around him. How many people got hyenas in their life? Come on, somebody. How many hyenas is in your life at your workplace, in your home place? Glory to God. Keep your eyes on the gazelle because that's where you're going to get fed. Woo, glory. Y'all can use that one. I get out of my life, hyena. Ne- next time your mom-in-law, not your mom-in-law, next, next time somebody, <laughs> I, don't, I, 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 I used the wrong description on that one. Next time your co-worker or somebody, not my mom-in-law, y'all's mom-in-law. <laughs> Amen. What a friend we have in Jesus. I'm talking about y'all's mom-in-law. I got the best mom-in-law in the world. Uh, y'all can be dismissed. <laughs> I'm going to go downstairs and pray. <laughs> Come on. So when you got them hyenas in your life, call them what they are. Look here, I got the fire of God inside of me. I'm talking about, I'm using your language right now. You have the fire of God in you. I'm like a lion. Full of boldness. Full of hope. I see the hyenas. Don't be naive to the hyenas because the hyenas are there. But they just cackling hyenas. I got my eyes on the prize. Amen. That's what's going to feed me. That's what's going to take me to another level. That's what's going to give me my spiritual energy. These hyenas can cackle all they want. I'm not listening to those voices. I'm keeping my eye on the prize. Amen. I'm bold as a lion. You're bold as a lion. You're bold as a lion. Hallelujah. Remember me telling y'all that fear and faith require you to believe in something that you can't see. If y'all ain't got that yet, there's some new people here. Listen to me. Fear and faith both require you to believe in something that you can't see. I'm going to choose faith in my life. I'm going to choose faith in your life. Amen. When we can come to the reality, Pap, you want to come up? And Jeff, whoever. When, when we can come to terms with that, really, and it goes from our lips to our heart, and we can start living in faith with the boldness of a lion, with the hope of expectation, then, then this is a word. I'm not even sure it's a word, but I'm going to say it. Stagnaticity. Stigmaticity? Is that a word, Jason? Is that a word? So stagnation leaves. Okay? When we can put our hope in Jesus and we can be bold as a lion through the Spirit of God, then faith over fear becomes a reality to you. That's where boldness begins to grow from another glory to another glory. You know what I mean? Like I didn't know I could do that till I did that, and it makes me want to do some more. I didn't know I could do that till I did that. But since I did that, it makes me want to do it some more. Amen? Am I making sense with that? Walter Scott said this about 
boldness. Isn't it wonderful what strength of purpose with boldness and energy of will are roused by the assurance that we are doing our duty? Let me read that again. Isn't it wonderful what strength of purpose with boldness and energy of will are roused by the assurance that we are doing our duty? What's our duty? How do we get the assurance that we're doing what God's called us to do? It's through boldness. You know what I mean? There was someone bold enough not just to lead me to Jesus one day, but there was someone bold enough to tell me the truth about myself. That no matter how good I thought I was, I was fixed to bust hell wide open. He was bold enough to tell me that, even though it was going to hurt my little feelings. Well, I got something to tell you, church. Truth will hurt some people's feelings. But it also might pull them out of hell. Amen? Are we bold enough to tell someone about Jesus? And here's the thing. 90% of the people that you tell about Jesus that, that you're not even sure uh, if they're saved, they're probably not. That's why you have the unction to say it. But your palms get sweaty and your mouth gets dry. And the Lord's just saying, say it. And for everyone that tells you to get away from me, you Jesus freak, for everyone that tells you that, there'll be a dozen say, yeah, well, can you tell me more about Jesus? I promise you that. We're living in a hurting world right now. And people need some hope. And the only way they may not ever see hope is through your boldness. And I'm not talking about you got to walk on top of the rail, okay? Can I share with you what Jesus done for me? You're out there on the assembly line. Man, you ain't going to believe what Jesus done for me. And start telling them how good Jesus has been to you. Then they're going to open up to you like your Dr. Phil. You say, well, don't you know all of us have been there? Even Granny. You know old Billy Graham I was talking about earlier? He was headed to a real hell to that day in Charlotte, North Carolina, when he decided to give his life to the Lord. He was headed to the same hell as the heroin addict, as Adolf Hitler, as whoever else. Billy Graham was headed to the same hell. Do you know that? But because somebody by the name of Mordecai Ham decided to be bold enough to tell him that, over 215 million people missed hell. <laughs> Ain't that awesome? Go ahead and get this out of here. So I'm going to be bold enough right now just to come on out and ask it. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus as a Savior? Everybody needs a Savior. Right? I'm going to be bold enough now to ask you, is the Lord of your life? Because if he ain't the Lord of your life, that means he's second in your life. And if he's second in your life with lordship, then the saviorship goes with it. Listen to me. Listen to me, church. Listen to me. I feel the Holy Spirit right now. There's some people in here that's been saved for years, but they've never made Jesus Christ their Lord. They've never become a slave to His righteousness. Good people. You know who I'm, people, y'all know who I'm talking to right now. The Lord is showing me this right now, I promise you. That... You've lived a good life, not just you, but multiple people right now. You've lived a great life. You've paid your taxes. You've worked hard. You don't cuss, cheat, steal, or lie. But you've never really made Jesus your Lord. And he wants to become your Lord today. As a matter of fact, there was a time in some of y'all's lives 
when he was Lord. He wasn't just Savior, but he was Lord. And because of circumstances of life, it's just happening in your life. We get busy with work. We get busy with children. We just get busy sometimes. And other things become Lord. They become first in your life. It doesn't mean you're going to hell, okay? But he's just saying, come back. Just come back. I want to be more than a Savior. I want to be Lord of your life. If there's some people in this church today or watching online under the sound of my voice right now that we're spending more money, more time, more energy, more effort on something other than Jesus Christ, y'all need to come to this altar right now. Y'all need to come talk to me, one of my board members, my wife. If you've got something that's lording, see, idols today is not just golden calves. Listen to me, church. We've gotten idols in our life, and they're not just golden calves anymore. Amen? I'm speaking to some of you now. If you've never been saved before, or you're not sure if you've been saved, can you raise your hand? Anybody in here? Ain't no one going to laugh at you. I'm going to go straight Pentecost on you now. If you need to be saved again, come on, somebody. Read, read, the, read the book. Read the book. Read the book. If, if you were saved at one time and you fell back off and you need to rededicate your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to come to here right now in the name of Jesus. Right now. Woo! Thank God my 
Hallelujah. Go ahead. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now let's give it up, y'all. Come on. This is a word from the Lord. Oh, you say that I can't, and I say I will. You say I'm not enough, and I say you're enough. You say I'm fearful. You say I'm your courage. You say I'm weak. I say I'm your strength. The Lord says, I am you more than enough in courage, wisdom, and in strength. I'm the one to get you through it. So look at me. Don't just gaze. Look and see. Watch, turn, not to the left or the right, for I am your all. And in all, fear not. Amen. Man, we've had church today, haven't we? Ain't this cool? Ain't this cool? We got kids giving their life to the Lord, man. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, you're worthy, Father. You're worthy. You're worthy, Father. You're worthy. You're a good God. We had two, two young ladies rededicate their life to Jesus. Give it up for them as well. For... Hallelujah. You just never know what's going to happen. So again, after church uh, today, is there anyone else left, by the way? Is there anybody in this room right now that wants to be 100% certain? I'll leave that right there for just a second. Ain't no one laughing. Hallelujah. <laughs> Populating heaven, man. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like usher training is going to be really cool, but we're populating heaven, brother. You know what I mean? Like, like the preaching and the, and the teaching and the music's really good, but we're populating heaven. Stepping out in boldness in the name of Jesus Christ. We will not let fear rule in our dominion anymore. Amen. Now, that person that I was talking about earlier that you have on your assembly line at work, the one that you have uh, at, your, at your dinner table at night, that one, take the boldness and go and ask them about Jesus. Tell them about what Jesus has done in your life and see if they don't open up to you. Can you do that this week? Amen, too. Y'all going to do it? <laughs> Man, what a great day in church. Again, usher training's over here. If all hearts and minds are clear, we will, huh? we will be baptizing next Sunday in the shanks hole. 
If anyone's got any large to extra large waiters, let me know. Because I'm going to be in waiters. <laughs> There's a few of you here already know this, but Second uh, Corinthians 3, verses 12 through 18 is exactly where I was teaching in our daily teaching that we've been going along as the going through the Bible and we got stuck on verse 18 this morning and the Spirit would not let me leave it. There was a whole lot more meat on the bone. In other words, I kept teaching because Paul expands on that thought. So you may want to go back and read that again because there's a whole lot in that verse. This brother could have preached all day on it. Amen. That's crazy. That's good stuff. That's, that's good stuff. Larry and I do not discuss... Uh, what he's teaching and what I'm preaching because we want the Holy Ghost to be in that. Amen? So there's you some confirmation right there. All right, so we're going to pray. Uh, again, I want to thank everyone for being here today. I believe that uh, we asked the Lord an hour and a half or so ago to be here, and I think the Lord, the Lord showed up. Can we, can we give Jesus a hand clap of praise? Amen. He's faithful. He's faithful, faithful, faithful. We're believing in miraculous things for Miss Virginia and the other prayer requests. Y'all, y'all go back, watch the tape, uh, and start praying over your church family, okay? Let's pray over each other. Let's believe God because he's begun something good in each and every one of y'all, and he's going to see it completely. Amen? You want something? So starting this week, there will be church notes up with the sermon, so you'll be able to go back and review, and it'll have all of his verses. Yep, that's on the church app. All right, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, for all that you do in our lives. Uh, We thank you that three people decided to go ahead and make you Lord today, Father God. Amen. Be with us the rest of this week, Lord. Let us have the boldness of a lion in the name of Jesus Christ. Give us the boldness of a lion, Father. We may be able to speak Love the people, Father God, and show them Jesus, Lord. We love you today. We praise you today. And we do it all in the strong name of Jesus. And the church says, remember, usher training across the hall. Make it count, leave a mark, build a name for yourself. Dream your dreams, chase your heart above all else. Make a name the world remembers. Put all in Sell his empty dreams I got lost in the light But it was up to me To make a name